Do you ever have trouble expressing your needs to your healthcare team? Do you feel like they don't listen to you? And worse, like you're not being heard? This is a difficult experience, both for patients as well as other healthcare providers trying to advocate for their patients. And this is an important conversation to have. In order to help patients with diabetes manage their blood sugars and their emotional health, they have to be heard by their healthcare team. And we need to make sure our healthcare teams are hearing us, even when it's not easy. Welcome to Live Free with T1D podcast, brought to you by the Diabetes Psychologist. This is the only podcast where we teach you how to build your type 1 diabetes stress management plan like a sailboat. You are the captain, your diabetes management is the hull, your mindset is the sails, your behavior is the rudder, and your support team is the crew. When you build your sailboat correctly, you will have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. And on this episode of the podcast, I coach Janice. Janice doesn't have diabetes, but she is a huge diabetes advocate. She is a registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist, and she currently works in an eating disorders clinic, helping patients with diabetes manage their food intake. But Janice has also found herself as the chief advocate for people with diabetes in her care. She finds that oftentimes people with diabetes have their insulin pumps taken away from them in these facilities and they feel helpless. Janet tries to communicate with their healthcare team about what is best for their care, but also best for their mental health, keeping in mind the need for feeling in control. If you've ever felt like your diabetes care team doesn't hear you, doesn't understand you, this episode will give you some great tips. Janice, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today. I think this is the first time I have done a coaching session with a healthcare provider. So I want to um, have you introduce yourself and then we'll dive into the coaching session. Oh, that's so great. I've been really looking forward to it because um, as I'll mention, no matter um, how long I've been in practice, I'm always really excited to learn from people in our field who have different specialties and different backgrounds. So um, a little bit about me. So I'm Janice Baker. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. I'm a certified nutrition support clinician. I'm also a certified diabetes care and education specialist and board certified in advanced diabetes management. And I've been in practice since uh, 1983. So that makes it 40 years. And as we know, in that amount of time, we've seen An amazing amount of things change in the world of diabetes coming from an era of no meters, no A1C, no pens, no CGMs, no pumps, to all the amazing technology and explosion of different therapies that we have now. And um, as a healthcare provider in this space, it, it does, it's demanding. It takes a lot of time to keep up with everything. But I think one of the biggest things we've realized in, in diabetes care is, is the incredible importance of mental health. And in my capacity now, I'm doing a lot of work in the field of um, both diabetes and eating disorders and disordered eating and people struggling with body image and confusion over uh, food and how it affects their blood sugar, but also other aspects of their life. So um, navigating 
the mental health and the diabetes issue was really a big focus of mine. And trying to find out, you know, to support each patient who's everyone is unique and individual, um, helping to support them, not to what I say should all over them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like as in, I'm not there to tell them what to do. I'm there to listen and to help them do the best they can, um, which is, you know, for all of us, it's never perfect. Yeah. So when someone comes to you and they say, Janice, I'm having a really hard time with diabetes right now. I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed out. I'm, you know, maybe emitting insulin. Maybe they're telling you that, maybe they're not. Um, what is the biggest challenge that you have as a healthcare provider in responding to them and giving them really good guidance around how to deal with the the stress, the burnout, the d- distress um, around diabetes? Um, where is your yeah? Training? So well, the where, where did as, your, your, your what was your competence started? Where does it end? And how how are you? Where do I start? <laughs> yeah, the most important place I start is to listen and sit with them. Right? Yeah. And just say, tell me your story. Tell me your story about diabetes. What do you know about it? Mm-hmm. Have you had previous education? What did, when was that education? If it was like 10 years ago, we know there was a lot of issues with that because I was there for that. Um, you know, what do you find confusing or what's your biggest struggle with diabetes? We need to help them set the priorities. What would make their lives easier? I always say my job is to make your life easier, not more complicated. So it may be um, they're struggling with side effects of medication or affording medication. Maybe it's, um, you know, their uh, jobs or, you know, they're in between jobs and it's financial. Maybe it's burdens of maybe they have um, a family, they're navigating family responsibility. Maybe they're part of the sandwich generation. You know, you have older parents. I have a lot of clients in my age range who have parents who need help, but plus they also have children. Um, What are the stressors that are getting in the way of your self-care? So it's really listening and to defining those things. And then a lot of times also it's um, helping them with communication with their primary care doctors, because we know those visits are so short and they're so afraid to bring up things sometimes. I've been in that position myself. Um, so it's helping them to define the biggest struggles and to collaborate with them on you know, possible solutions or things to experiment with. Yeah. One of the things we talked about before we got on the recording was patients who you work with who have eating disorders and they're going into inpatient treatment facilities and they're told that they have to take their pump off. Tell me about that challenge for the patient? And then what what do you do when you, when as an advocate for the patient in helping them yeah. to helping them to really stand up for themselves and know that the pump is an important part of their treatment plan for their diabetes and for their mental health? And how can we how can I yeah. do in that process? Because it sounds like it's a, a tough one for the patient it's, as well as for you. It's, it's tough. So first of all, we have to really look at the case history, right? what's you know been happening with this patient sometimes a lot of them have just taken off their pumps themselves because they don't want anything on their body sure they don't want people to see it so it could be a body image thing they'll use their maybe cgm but they don't want stuff on them they don't want people to see they have it so it's their choice sometimes um and then we look at other devices like the smart pens you know as an option which can help with uh, uh insulin adjustment if if that's a thing that's needed 
but some of them have been wearing pumps and the eating disorder is separate. It's insulin manipulation or omission hasn't been necessarily a thing, but they've had really chaotic eating patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of my job is to hear the patient out, you know, about their relationship with the pump, relationship with dosing insulin, look at, you know, the, have they been hospitalized a lot for diabetic ketoacidosis, you know, see if we're, what's happening there. And then also at the same time, so I'm really trying to listen and, you know, helping the patient to trust me as much to tell their story without shame or stigma, right? Because shame and stigma is not healthcare, right? (laughs) So, but also for me to translate and to communicate um, on a educational fact-based basis with our medical providers or nurses or staffs or physicians who may not be as familiar with the technology because it's so hard to keep up with it. How the pump, how the CGMs work, are they interacting, um, how they can oversee, which is part of residential treatment, the um, dosing of insulin and figuring out what the adjustments need to be made um, because there can be a lot of um, misinformation or miscommunication in, in that level of things. And and so if somebody's been coming in and their their pump is really a very um, big safety factor for them and it's taken off, mm-hmm. you know, they can actually be distracted from eating disorder treatment because we're chasing around their blood sugar so much when they take off the pump and have to go back to basal bolus, you know, MDI therapy, multiple doses without the benefit of the pump CGM. So we have to take it on a case by case basis, but it's communication and sort of being, you know, looking at both sides of the equation. And I know there are a lot of my listeners right now are probably listening to this and thinking to themselves, why on earth would a, a residential treatment facility tell someone to take their insulin pump off or make them do that? And I'm curious, what what's the rationale or the thinking Why? Yeah. from, from that yeah. point of view? I mean, why, why, why would that even be a question? Well, and that's, that's a really good question. And that's um, not uncommonly done. In, in many, because they're just afraid that the client um, may be manipulating it, um, either restricting it because restricting that, you know, as we know, people often don't give their insulin because it helps them to control their weight, right? Mm-hmm. So they're afraid of it. They're, they're not taking the doses that they need, that they, they don't have the oversight, or they may overdose for possibly self-harm reasons, yeah, right? So I think that's the aspect. There's no oversight as much as just uh, staff overseeing um, injections with a pen that they can see and document and know that there's so many units given uh, per meal or their basal insulin. So I think the gap is it's like – there's no harm intended, but I think the gap is that we need better um, education and um, support for the treatment team so that they know better how to keep their patients on the pump in a safe way. Yeah. Um, the 
the point is too, there are sometimes maybe staffing issues. Maybe they don't have enough staff to oversee this in, in this um, very fragile population. If somebody's in residential treatment for an eating disorder, mm-hmm. they've had, they have oftentimes um, other medical issues. It's a mental health issue as well. So there's a lot of moving parts to this. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, if I were ever to go into a hospital or a residential treatment facility for an eating disorder or something else, and they told me to take my pump off, I would be out of there. I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't trust them, but I also, I, 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 I would be so, well, I would be anxious about not having access to my life-saving medication or my, you know, my life-saving insulin. Exactly. Exa- that's exactly what, what. I'm I'm advocating on on our patient's behalf as as the diabetes educator. I have to make a case. Listen, in order for this patient to benefit from treatment, um, when their blood sugars are stabilized, they can focus on other things. But if their blood sugars are really unstable because the pump's taken off and it's so much harder to to deal with blood sugars with you know basal bolus injections, it's just really hard. Yeah. Um, their, their focus is not on the treatment they're there for. Right. So I think, um, I think that's a really big point. And I see honestly that as opposed to when I started in this area, we're making progress into helping get that message across, but I think we have a way to go. I talk to people with type 1 diabetes every day and every day is clear to me that people at T1D need a plan. They need a plan to follow to manage the emotional burden of living with diabetes. Without a plan to manage stress, life with diabetes is overwhelming. You feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose, and you have no idea how to feel steady on your feet and find the peace of mind you're looking for. You feel like diabetes takes away your freedom to live a normal life. A plan to manage the emotional burden of T1D is very simple. There are five frameworks you need to know. And if you know these five frameworks, you have a plan for how to deal with any stress diabetes throws your way. With this plan, you'll be clear about what you're doing right now and what you need to do next. That's exactly what you get when you join Live Free with T1D. At Live Free with T1D, I coach you to manage the stress of type 1 diabetes like a sailboat. You are the captain. The whole of the boat is your diabetes knowledge and management. The sails are your mindset, the rudder is your behavior, and your crew is your support system. If you build the five parts of your sailboat correctly, you'll be sailing smoothly with type 1 diabetes. All of that is part of the plan that's available to you when you join Live Free with T1D. Plus, as part of Live Free with T1D, I host a live coaching event every month where you get access to me and have the opportunity to ask me questions and even get personalized coaching. To join Live Free with T1D, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. Join other people with type 1 diabetes just like you who have a plan to find peace of mind and freedom in their lives with type 1 diabetes. And you've just made a good point. I'm thinking about 
myself, I don't have diabetes, but I've worked with this so much and I have it in my family and I have my kids have a lot of friends who have type one and they're wearing pumps and CGMs. And I could see the same thing if they were set to told, you have to take off your pump. It's like, take off your arm too. Yeah. Like it's a part of your body. Take off your right hand and we'll let you do this. <laughs> and I don't know. I, does that make sense? It's- it, it, it absolutely makes sense. And I think to myself, and I think to lots of patients that I see, um, and I've been wearing a pump for 23 years now or so. And I mean, mm-hmm. I, there's certainly, I take, there have been times when I've taken pump breaks, but you know, the, my, my pump is like my third arm. You know, I get I get out of bed in the morning, and the first thing I do is do a swipe to make sure that I had hit my my pump is you know on my on my person. And I leave my house, and the first thing yeah. that I do is, is tap my pocket to make sure my pump's in there. And if it's not there, um, there's certainly a level of anxiety, depending on the situation, of course, um, to make sure that it's there. And uh, I can imagine for somebody in that kind of fragile state, um, it would be terrifying. What have you done that's been successful Terrifying. In, edu- in, in educating sure. healthcare providers, educating the treatment team around this? And what? Yeah, and, and, what, and, and, and as what's we our, know, stress and anxiety itself raises yeah. blood sugar. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, what, what have you been, what have you done that's been successful around this? And also, what have you done that has run into barriers for yourself around educating treatment teams and getting them to a place where they are letting the person with diabetes keep their pump and keep their tools that are so important to them? On their body. What I have found personally to be most successful is, first of all, earning the trust of the staff, the team, teams that I work with, and the client. Mm-hmm. We call it client or patient. It's, first of all, really letting them know I'm here to listen. I'm here to listen to what all the circumstances are. I may not be there in person because I work virtually. But tell me, tell me what the limitations are. Tell me what your concerns are. Um, I'm, I fully realize I'm at a point in my career where I'm kind of, you know, very fortunate. But I let them know. Listen, you can t- call me or text me anytime if there's something that comes up um, that I can help you with. So they know I'm pretty much always available. For example, one of our clients with type one diabetes had a lot of dental pain this morning and she has Mm. significant dental history problems. And I said, you know, that needs to be assessed and looked at by a dentist because, you know, I go into all these other tangents, I know, but just a dental and gum infection can send blood sugars flying and can cause a systemic infection to your heart, to other places. I said, you know, I had to make sure that staff physician, the staff nurses knew this patient needed immediate attention by a dentist, because that in itself, not the banana, not the cookie, (laughs) can make blood sugars go really, really high because of these other moving parts. And so um, as we know, um, you know, the stress, if they're working through a lot of emotional and mental health issues, blood sugars can be really um, catapulted because of a lot of trauma. You know, there could be history trauma that they're working through and these sessions with their therapists can make blood sugars go high because of bringing up things that have been really difficult in the past. Um, So it's just listening and also educating, giving them resources like um, the clinical support uh, for the pumps they're using to the staff. Like I've helped connect them up with the insulin support staff, the Medtronic support staff, how to get this, how to connect with these people right away 
to troubleshoot. Like one person had pod failures like a few times this week. This is who you call. This is who's going to get you through this. So it's also helping to connect the dots. I feel fully realize I don't have all the answers, but my passion is to help get the answers and get them connected to the right people at the right time. Yeah, and I love love the fact that your your main goal is to be a listener and to listen and really try to understand the patient and or the client as well as the the um, treatment team and everyone's concerns, so that you can find that common ground. And I wonder, you know, as we talk as we're talking, one of the things that comes to my mind is, you know, in it, for people with diabetes, ha- understanding diabetes and having that education is so important for their mental health. Because if you don't understand diabetes, how it's managed and how to manage your own diabetes in certain situations, you're going to feel like you're drowning, you know, because you don't don't understand it. And of course, that's going to increase your anxiety, increase your distress. And I would imagine that the same thing is true for the the this these treatment teams not on the same way but understand but but if you have a patient coming in with diabetes you don't really understand diabetes that well you don't certainly don't are not familiar with the the tools and technology um you're gonna feel like you're a fish out of water there and 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 you may say things either on purpose or inadvertently that are going to make the person with diabetes feel you know, like they're, they're not being listened to, not because you don't care, but because you are trying to, you you don't know what you don't know. And so when you're not feeling comfortable here, you're going to say, well, let's do it the way that I know how to do it. And that way is probably um, not very accurate, but also not very accurate from what they learned in 1992. Um, And I, and I, and I I wonder for you, Janice, if there's a way to take that and actually empower, use, use the technology to help help advocate in a way that could empower the treatment team. And the, the one thing that comes to my mind is, you know, they're worried about insulin emission, people you know, manipulating their insulin doses for, you know, in, 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 in an eating disorder clinic. And it's a, it's a valid concern. However, I also wonder, could you actually turn that around and say, and, and say with an insulin pump, um, we have all the data. We know exactly what's happening to somebody's blood sugar and how much insulin they've been giving themselves with pretty good, pretty a pretty good, good degree of accuracy. Um, and then, so as a way to actually reassure that, to say with you know with, with with injections, you're taking the power away from the patient. You're saying you're saying if the person wants to use a pump and they're and they're not able to because of the rule of the facility, um, you're taking the power from the patient. It, what would totally. happen? If we, what would happen if we were able to? Let the person use their pump, um, get, empower them in their diabetes management, but also know exactly, be able to look and, and work with them exactly about how much they're, how much insulin they're taking and, and what's been going on for the food they've been taking, uh, the, for the food they've been eating. Sorry, um, so that both empowers the patient, the person with diabetes, as well as the as well as it empowers the treatment team because we can look at this information together. And we can actually come to a collaborative way, a, a collaborative treatment plan based on actually what's been happening with the person's food intake, which they, which I'm sure the the facility has information about because I'm sure they're tracking that yeah. as well as well as with the, their insulin dosing, which you can track, you know, with to minute detail with the pump, and you know, and, and so we you can you you can educate that treatment team to say how can we empower you with this data. Um, it's not not something that's going to be out of your out of your control. It's actually something that's going to going to help you to help the patient better. 
And, um, right. and if we can educate them in that way, they're going to feel like they're not a fish out of water. The person with diabetes is going to feel empowered to continue to manage, manage their diabetes. And there's risk for the mill, as we talk about in psychology, for the, the treatment team to be able to work with the patient um, and get that information uh, that they need to best help the patient while also empowering the patient to manage their diabetes in the best way possible. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think that's really key. Is just uh, first of all, you know, you have this, you get this data, and it, you know, I like this um, comparison and how you approach the data: curiosity versus judgment, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you're curious about what you see in terms of the trends and when the lows happened and what preceded that, you can look at things in like a wide angle lens. You can zoom out and be curious and and see was this a one-time thing, or is this a pattern or an event, right? And then also the thing with the treatment team is, again, um, staffing is an issue everywhere. And um, staff has different, you know, as things go, staff has different levels of training. So, you know, it always goes down to ongoing um, training and support to the staff because, you know, when they're afraid of, uh, they're fearful of new technology, listen, I was afraid to get a new um, version of my Apple phone, and I had to have my three kids stand around me to change my phone to a new one because I was scared to death. And I have two sons who are engineers, and I had to say, I have them right with me. You have to help me with my phone because I can't do this. <laughs> it scares me to death. So I understand that fear and anxiety that a staff at a healthcare, healthcare providers, red nurses who are highly educated, but maybe they haven't been educated on um, diabetes technology. So it's education and support to minimize their fear and anxiety because they have it too as being responsible for the safety of these patients. So the fear gets in the way of things, definitely. Exactly. And I, I'm thinking to myself as we're talking, you know, this is a great um, type of coaching that we can do with diabetes educators, with uh, with certainly treatment teams and inpatient facilities, but this is also translatable for those of you who are not in this in this world, who are listening to this podcast. If you're a parent of a child with diabetes, if you are somebody who's going into a new situation, and how can you how can you best educate teachers, friends, family, coworkers around diabetes and the technology in the same way, so that everybody feels empowered, everybody feels comfortable. And um, the, the person with diabetes is taken care of, but also the anxiety of the people around them is is um, tempered if possible. Not that it, that that's our primary concern uh, most right. of the time. Then the person with diabetes and, the, and the, their anxiety and their their management is the most important thing. But to empower everybody around them to support them, and that that's the thing. That that's that's I think what we're what we're really aiming at here is what is the best way to support the person with diabetes by supporting the people around them. So the support team is as strong as possible. Um, and education, I think in this instance, around technology, diabetes, and the mental health challenges that people, and or just the stress that people with diabetes experience around technology, both having it and not having it, is I think, I think the, the key thing here. And the more we can um, advocate for our patients, and the more that we can advocate for ourselves, 
with education, the better off we're going to be, um, I think, all around, whether we're in an inpatient facility or whether, whether you're in a hospital. That's mm-hmm. a whole other topic of conversation of it, being in a medical hospital with diabetes or being at school or being at work around people who just need to know information about this to make sure that uh, the person with diabetes is supported as much as possible. Well, Janice, this we have has plenty a, of work to do, don't we? We have a lot of work to do, but, but I think we're making great strides uh, because of educators um, like you with the willingness to listen and the willingness to advocate. I just, I can't thank you enough for the work that you're doing right now in that, in that, in that way. Well, given that so many of my friends are retiring, I'm as charged up as ever. I, I can't see myself stopping. I mean, I, I love this more than ever being 40 years into this. I'm like, this is getting better. I, I love what I do and it's still really challenging on so many new levels, but, um, it's really, it's so great to talk to someone like you who thesis from a therapist angle, somebody who's living with diabetes. Um, you know, I'm always, you know, really appreciative of insights from other people and how they see things and what their expertise is. So I'm always a student, no matter what phase of my career I've been. Wonderful. Well, Janice, thank you for your time today. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I know that the listeners are going to be getting a lot out of this conversation, no matter where they sit, whether they're a parent, a person with diabetes, or a healthcare provider. At the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action that you can use starting today in your life to reduce the emotional burden of type 1 diabetes. And today, your plan of action is take out a piece of paper and make a list. Make a list of all the things you want to tell your doctor next time you have an appointment. Make sure you write down the good, the bad, and the non-negotiable. Remember, your doctor is here to support you. However, they can't support you unless you let them know exactly what you need. And don't be afraid to push back if they tell you no. You're in charge of your diabetes care. You know what's best. And they're there to guide you, to give you advice, but not tell you what to do. Thanks so much for joining me on the Live Free with T1D podcast, where I teach you how to build your diabetes management plan like a sailboat so you can have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. And I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.